Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. This is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ right here in Omaha. And we're glad to be able to come together again with all of our listeners, open up God's Word, study a little bit more, learn a little bit more, dig a little bit deeper, come to a better understanding of what God's will is for our lives as He has communicated that to us through His Word. And in studying His Word, because faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17, our faith should be growing. As our faith grows stronger and deeper and fuller, then we should be coming closer to God. And our prayer is that you will make up your mind ultimately to come to God all the way. Through Jesus Christ, God's Son, your Lord and Savior, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Christ openly, and surrendering to him in baptism for the remission of your sins. That's our prayer for you, and not just for those listening today, but for all people everywhere. You know, our world is really in a dark place. Now, I could say that 50 years from now, I'm sure, if the world is still standing. I could have said that 50 years ago because basically that is a true statement all of the time. But we're living right now, and certainly as we look around us, we can see that we're in a dark place in this world. And that should not surprise us, because the devil is, well, he is described as the prince of the air. He is described as the one who is really guiding things to a great extent. I should not say guiding things. He is the one who is really getting into people's spiritual lives and leading them astray. You know, the Apostle John wrote along these lines in 1 John chapter 2, beginning with verse 15. He said, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Well, that is ultimately the fate of our world. John was writing inspired scripture, guided by God through the Holy Spirit, to look ahead and see what was down the road for this world. This world ultimately will be destroyed because God has prophesied that already. The Apostle Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10 that this world is going to be burned up. Well, why? It's not going to be climate change or global warming or any natural kind of cause. It's going to be because God is going to bring judgment upon the world because of their unrighteousness, because of the sin that prevails all around us. This is not something new. In Noah's day, we saw that mankind had become so wicked that every thought and intent of his heart was only evil continually. Exodus chapter 5 and verse 6. Now that's incredible. That's incredible. Uh, think about that state of affairs. That state of affairs. I'm sorry, I should have said Exodus chapter 6 and verse 5. That, own, that every thought and intent of man's heart, now we're talking about mankind everywhere, all around the, the populated world at that time. Every intent and thought of his heart was only evil continually. The only exceptions we're to understand was Noah and his family. Noah found grace 
in the eyes of God. Noah was a righteous man. He walked with God. And I think we're to understand that he led his family, wife, three sons, and their wives to walk with God as well. And so humanity was spared through the family of Noah, through those eight precious souls. Well, after the flood waters had abated, then God put the rainbow in the sky as a sign that he would never destroy the world again by water. But the scriptures do tell us he will bring this world to an end, ultimately, one day, through the judgment of fire. And that again will be because of the wickedness of mankind. We need to open our eyes. We need to wake up. We need to recognize that people everywhere need to repent and come to God through Jesus Christ. That is my prayer, and that ought to be the prayer of every one of us. And if you need to take that step, then we encourage you to take that step, to do what you know you need to do. Salvation is only through Jesus Christ. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Acts 4 and verse 12. Jesus is the only way to God. John 14 and verse 6. People need to come to the Lord. We want to help people do that through our time together and search the scriptures. Now, I want to encourage you, have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready. At the end of the program today, we'll tell you how to contact us. Write down that information and then contact us. Ask for the free Bible study that we always offer. It is free. We'll even take care of the postage. You can also receive a copy of today's program on CD, again for free, and we'll take care of the postage. So have that pencil or pen and piece of paper ready and jot down that information and then contact us. We have tremendous study resources available to everybody for free. Our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, offers you the opportunity to download all kinds of of, of biblically-based articles, sermons, radio programs, daily Bible studies. It's all for free. And if you click on our podcast button on the home page, you can sign up for our podcasting. That's free, always will be free. And you'll receive all of our sermons, all of our Bible classes. Today's Bible class, which is a short, about a 12-minute Bible study each day, and all of our radio programs. They'll go automatically to whatever device you choose. So take advantage of that opportunity to study more, more deeply, more fully, and learn more, and come closer to God as your faith grows. Our prayers are with you, and our prayers are for you. We've been studying about abundant Christianity. We base that upon Jesus' statement in John chapter 10 and verse 10. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Now, as we've gone through the first few days of this particular study, we have focused on the Apostle Paul's statement in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, that God has blessed us through Jesus Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, but the qualifier is in Christ. These blessings that he then lays out are only for those who are in Christ. Now we've talked about how to come into Christ. Romans 6 and verse 3, Galatians 3 and verse 27. 
they both tell us, baptized into Christ. So we're talking about Christians, those who have become true Christians according to God's instructions and guidelines in his word. Those who are in Christ have the abundant Christianity that God offers us and provides us as we become Christians. Abundant Christianity. Remember what Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So we're looking at this particular principle first from the perspective of what God blesses us with as Christians. He blesses us with abundant Christianity. So in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, we noted that first we're in Christ. And then second, verse 4 tells us we're counted as holy and without blame before God. So many people are carrying around a tremendous burden of guilt on their shoulders. God offers us the opportunity to be forgiven. In fact, in verse 5 of Ephesians chapter 3, we've been adopted as God's true children. John chapter 1 and verse 12 tells us that those who come to God through Jesus Christ have the right to become children of God. Think about that. And then in Romans chapter 8 and Galatians chapter 4, Paul goes into some depth and detail talking about how when a person is baptized into Christ, God adopts him into his spiritual family as one of his children. In verse 7 of Ephesians chapter 1, we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. Ananias, sent by the Lord himself to teach Saul of Tarsus, said, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. In verses 7 and 8 of Ephesians chapter 1, God's grace abounds toward us, abounds toward us. And we need to continue to grow in grace. Peter talks about that as he closes out his last or his second letter. The very last verse says, grow in grace. Ephesians 1 and verse 11, we have an eternal inheritance awaiting us in heaven. That is that home in heaven that Jesus has gone to prepare and that he will call the faithful to when he comes back for that final day of judgment. And then in verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 1, Paul says we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Those of us who have become Christians, true Christians. So look at that listing there. You talk about abundant Christianity in Christ, holy and without blame, adopted as, one of, adopted as God's children, redemption, the forgiveness of sins, God's grace abounds toward us. We have that home in heaven awaiting us. We've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Oh, my. If we didn't go any farther than that, we could see that God offers us abundant Christianity, that he blesses the one who becomes a Christian with abundant Christianity. Oh, but there's more that we can learn along this line. In John chapter 3, beginning with verse 3, Nicodemus had come to Jesus and expressed some degree of faith in him, of belief in him as the Messiah. But he had not yet taken the step to openly declare his faith in Jesus before others, at least not on a, on a, a common basis. Jesus says in John chapter 3 and verse 3, speaking to Nicodemus, 
Most assuredly, I say to you that unless a man is born again, he cannot, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then in verse 5, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. What are we to get from that? If we've become true Christians, we've been born again. We've been born again, reborn spiritually. We've been given a do-over, a new start, literally, on life from a spiritual perspective. But now, when we put that spiritual emphasis in our lives, as we should, to the extent that we should, as Christians, born-again Christians, then we have a new start on life generally because we have changed the direction of our life. We have changed our thinking. We have changed our focus. We have changed our dedication to be to God through Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul put it this way. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. A new creation. Think about what that means. Now, when we're baptized into Christ, if we had freckles, we're still going to have freckles when we come up out of those waters of baptism. If we were bald, we're still going to be bald. If we have been suffering from allergies, we're still going to be suffering from allergies. But spiritually, we're going to be made new. Our sins will have been washed away by the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. We will have been born again spiritually. We will have a new identity, and that is a Christian. We will be in Christ. He will have added us to his church, Acts 2 and verse 47. And we will have been given a new lease on life because, again, we'll be looking at life from a completely different perspective, from a spiritual perspective. And we will come to realize that this world is not where it's at and is not all there is, but we'll be looking forward to that eternal home in heaven with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Born again, made a new creation. God will have become the director of our lives. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, Paul noted this about his experience in becoming a Christian and living the Christian life. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. But he wasn't talking about literal, physical crucifixion. He was talking about, again, from a spiritual perspective. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer... It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, when we are reborn, we change and our lives change. Remember that Jesus said in Luke chapter 13 and verse 3, except you repent, you will all likewise perish. What does that, that, that word repent mean? What is the principle behind that? It is literally a change of mind 
And as it is used in the New Testament, it is understood that it is a change of mind that leads to a change of direction or a change of life. So as we are reborn spiritually, we are changing our mind, our mindset, our lives as a result. Again, God has become the director of our lives through Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul had learned, and that's what he, that's what he expresses here. Born again. But that's, that's still not all of the abundance of Christianity that God blesses us with as we become Christians. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4, we find Jesus as he is beginning his public ministry. And perhaps in this particular setting, maybe he was getting ready for that as Jesus the man, while still Christ the Son of God. He went into the wilderness. He fasted for a period of 40 days. And so the devil presents himself before him at the end of those 40 days. You see, the devil's smart. He knows where to hit us at our weakest points. Well, Jesus had been fasting for 40 days. At the end of those 40 days, the devil appears on the scene and he begins to try to work over our Lord. Oh, he was unsuccessful. But notice in verses 1 through 3, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he was fa had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Jesus was physical while still spiritual. He was a man while still God the Son on this earth. He was hungry after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting. And that's when the devil tried to hit him. When the tempter came to him, he said, You are the Son of God. Command these stones become bread. Well, that could have been pretty tempting for Jesus, the man. He was hungry. He certainly had the power to be able to do exactly that if he wanted to. But how did Jesus respond? Every time the devil tempted him in this particular setting, Jesus responded with scripture. And so he said, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We have God's word. That's part of our abundant Christianity. We live by the most reliable guidebook that man has ever possessed. And that's God's word, the Bible. Psalm 119 and verse 105 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. God's word is also described as the sword of the Spirit. But you know, when you read that 119th Psalm, it is the longest of all the Psalms. Way, way over a hundred verses. And when you read through those various verses of Scripture in that 119th Psalm, Every single one of them, with the exception of about four or five only, refer to God's word or God's teachings in some way. Now that ought to really impress upon us the importance of God's word. But you see also, 
And this is an elusive thing for a lot of people. Where faith comes from, how faith grows, how can they become stronger in their faith? It's not a mystery. It should not be elusive. The Bible tells us exactly how faith develops within the individual. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, the apostle Paul wrote, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In other words, faith comes by hearing the word of God. The more we study God's word, the deeper we get into it, the more we learn. And thereby, the more our faith develops because faith is not just a wild wish. It's not a blind leap in the dark. It's not something that's whispered in a corner someplace and, oh, we just kind of embrace it emotionally without any facts behind it. No, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is based upon, real faith is based upon substance and evidence. There are facts behind it behind why we believe in God as the creator and as the sustainer of life and why we believe in Jesus as the son of God and our Lord and Savior. He was put in that tomb and on the third day that tomb was empty. Jesus came forth from that grave and that empty tomb speaks loudly, shouts loudly that he truly is everything he said he is and that everything he taught has the authority of God behind it. It is absolute truth. Now, we also experience the most profound joy possible as Christians. You know, there's a whole lot of people and a whole lot of self-help books written and a whole lot of seminars and those kinds of things that are written along the lines of trying to help people find happiness. But most of the time, they're guiding people in the wrong direction. Where is real happiness found? Where does a person experience profound joy on a lasting and ongoing basis? By walking with God, by being in Christ. In Psalm, in Psalm 16 and verse 11, notice what the psalmist wrote. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In Philippians 4 and verse 4, the apostle said, the apostle Paul wrote, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Why can we find such profound happiness and joy by being in Christ? Because being in Christ, we find the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. And it keeps our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4 and verse 7. And that kind of assurance brings us peace, but also brings us contentment. And with peace and contentment naturally come joy. Oh yes, how we're blessed with abundant Christianity. We'll study further next time. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for all the ways that you bless us, but most of all, the spiritual blessings. Thank you for blessing us 
so abundantly as we become true Christians, true followers of you through Jesus Christ. We pray this, these blessings for all of the world. Please guide them to come to you so they can enjoy them as well. Please forgive us, gracious Father. We pray in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.